This is Dr. Carissa Hines of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Information without understanding is not very helpful. Talk with a doctor and feel like you're talking to a friend. Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is Dr. Carissa Hines. You are live with Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Today is the first day of our second season, so it is our anniversary, and so I had to play the the fabulous Jacksons with Can You Feel It? I can feel it. I'm so excited because there are so many good things that have happened in this past year, and I am looking forward to all of the good things to come in this new season of our show. So today is our birthday. Well, technically, it's tomorrow is our birthday and so before I get started with any of that I just want to tell you all thank you so so much for all of your support and well wishes and for listening to the show and giving me show suggestions and all of that I think that since I started this I've had an incredible amount of personal growth and professional growth and it is all because of of you all's support and good wishes and I am just eternally grateful and to all of our medical experts that we had on our first season you know the show would not have been the show without you lending your time and talent and I am more than eternally grateful uh, for that and so shout out to all of our listeners our medical minute family shout out to all of our medical experts I love you all so very very much and so as we get started here today because today is once again a first so a first anniversary right but I also have our first in-studio guest so yay science Um, and so we are going to introduce this lovely lady in just a few minutes but as we usually do we do our shout out so Shout out to my number one fan. Hey, mom, I hope you are having a terrific Thursday morning. Shout out to our family in Norfolk, Virginia, West, uh, excuse me, 
Virginia Beach, Virginia, Houston, Texas, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Charlotte, North Carolina, Ladston, South Carolina, Macon, Georgia, Pensacola, Florida, Center, Alabama, Chesapeake, Virginia, Seattle, Washington, Washington, D.C., Centerville, Virginia, Opelika, Alabama, Lusby, Maryland, Newport News, Virginia, Temecula, California, Cedar Bluff, Alabama, College Park, Georgia, Hobbs, New Mexico, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Oxford, North Carolina, Woodbridge, Virginia, Gadsden, Alabama, Hampton, Virginia, Columbus, Georgia, and our newest city, thanks to our special guest today, Memphis, Tennessee. Hey, Memphis, how y'all doing out there? Over there in Orange Mound and such places. How y'all doing? Welcome, 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 welcome. Alrighty, we broadcast live every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. from our studios here at WWWE Real 1100 a.m. You can also stream this show on www.real1100.com and you can watch us on our Facebook page. We are kind of simulcast on our Facebook page now because I have two phones. So there's one on me and one on my guest. And so that is the Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa Facebook page. And you can also uh, watch on the Old Fashioned Health Network, um, which is our parent show. You can cast um, it rebroadcasts on our Facebook page. You can watch that anytime, and also um, rebroadcasts here on the studio on the station as well. You can find us on YouTube at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and we are a proud part of the Old Fashioned Health Network. We are not only a radio show, not only a medical education movement, but we also are a podcast. And you can find the Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Google, Activate, Amazon, Overcast, Pocketcast, and Stitcher. Follow us on social media, Face on Facebook. We are Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. On Instagram, we are at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. And on Twitter, we are at Minutes Doctor. So, just a brief COVID update before we get into our guest. Um, of course, as we know, COVID is continuing and is somewhat resurging under a new um, new variant, the Delta variant, right? Um, we've been hearing a lot about that. And so it seems like a kind of a deja vu kind of picture. Um, but the case numbers are still slowing down, which is good. We are currently at 33.5 million cases in the United States with an unfortunate 602,000 deaths. And as always, our condolences, love and support go out to the families of um, the lost. And uh, on the immunization front, 66.5 percent of adults uh, in the United States have at least one vaccination. Now, of course, depending upon the product that you used for your vaccination, um, one may be enough, right? So if you did the Johnson & Johnson, that is a one-shot and done uh, vaccination, and you can consider yourself fully vaccinated. Uh, but of course, with the Pfizer and Moderna products, uh, that is a two-vaccine uh, sequence. And so, um, you know, good to know that almost 60, excuse me, 70% of us uh, have at least one vaccination. But if you are supposed to have two and you only have one, guess what? You got to get that other one in order to be considered fully vaccinated and therefore fully protected. Because this Delta variant that is making itself known throughout the world um, for fully vaccinated people, the studies are showing that they are 
protected from that Delta variant. And when we are seeing uh, cases explode, I know that in Missouri they are having a hard time. Um, so, you know, love goes out to the state of Missouri and all of my health care heroes out there um, because the Delta variant is now becoming the more prevalent variant uh, here in the United States. Um, it had been uh, in Asia, particularly in India. And, and if you've been following the news, you know that they have been tremendously hard hit um, by, uh, by COVID. And so this Delta variant seems to be attacking uh, people who are unvaccinated, and it is hitting people who are younger uh, as well. And so, you know, if you are still hesitant about getting your vaccine, um, you know, I'm going to encourage you to think about really, really getting it. Um, because what we know is that so far the, the vaccination is showing itself to be um, protective in that case. So that is our warm up for, for the day. We have a whole lot to talk about and some giveaways and all of that good stuff. But we're going to take a short commercial break and then when we'll be back. I'll introduce you to our special guest today. This is Dr. Carissa Hines. You are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa and we'll be right back. At Just for Pets Wellness Center, our expert veterinary team provides personal, professional, and compassionate services to your beloved pets. You can rely on us for pet wellness exams, medical care and treatments, dentistry, and surgical care. We provide a clean, safe, and caring environment for dogs, cats, and pocket pets with exceptional care, always the standard. We're doggone good and the cat's meow. Visit our website for more information at www.just4petsfl.vet or give us a call at 239-270-5721. This is fashion designer Edmund Newton. I'd like to tell you about Enmask.com. Enmask.com is my only source for non-surgical cloth masks. I've teamed up with Enmask.com to create and design a collection of limited edition masks. These masks are washable, reusable, breathable, and most importantly, fashionable. Shop online now at Enmask.com. That's E-N-M-A-S-K-S.com for quality masks made in America. And we are back. This is Dr. Carissa Hines, and you are listening live to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. And that song, you know, of course, as you all know from our last um, from our last season last year, that we try to pick up songs that um, are going with a theme, right? Um, and so, of course, you know, we started out with the Jacksons, Can You Feel It? Because we were in a celebratory mode. And now we're moving into our our real segment or the, the true segment, the meat of today's show. And that was Don't Stop Believing. And I want to say that's Fleetwood Mac. 
Very good. All right. Because I picked the song and then I couldn't remember who the artist was. It just went right out of my head. Um, Don't Stop Believing. And so, you know, when I hear that song, I think about my dear friend and our special guest that we have with us today. But so today's show is um, our Survivor Series. And so, um, you know, we're talking about kidney transplantation. And our guest today is a is a continued survivor um, of kidney transplant, and she's going to share with us um, what her experience has been with that. So now, let me tell you about our Survivor Series and the reason why I do it, because I know that I can sit here and tell you about anything in medicine that I choose to talk about, right? But when you hear it from someone who has experienced it, I hope and pray, and my intention is that it gives it a little more realness, right? That this isn't something that is just happening in a far off hypothetical place to these hypothetical people, that these are real people that the, that are going through these things. And you may not even know anyone um, who has um, either needed an organ or who has gone through a transplantation, but I'm about to introduce you to someone. So here we go. Little, little bit of um, background. Oh, well, before I do that, let me tell you about. So today's guest, tremendously special. She's one of my dear friends. Um, But this is kind of like a full circle moment for me because my very first guest, so that was my second show, my first guest was my friend Dr. Deidre Cruz, who's a nephrologist at the Johns Hopkins uh, University uh, School of Medicine. And we talked about kidney disease and organ transplantation. And I told you all at the end of that show that I had a friend who was trying to get an organ and share it with you all about that. And so it is tremendously humbling that she is sitting here with me today, um, one year later, almost save a week or so, um, and having had her kidney transplant. And that just, huh, I tell you, it just takes my breath away. So anyway, a little bit of background about organ transplantation. So as you can imagine, it is a major, major surgical procedure where a healthy organ is taken from its donor and transplanted into the body of its recipient. And that one sentence makes it sound really, really simple. Um, But of course, it is tremendously complicated. And so I'm going to give a shout out to my friend who's a transplant surgeon, Dr. Christy uh, Gooden-McGee out in uh, in Texas. Hey, lady. Hope she's doing well in that that community. Um, You know, transplantation is a life-saving event. Uh, And currently in the United States, we are able to perform the following organ transplants kidney, obviously, uh, pancreas, liver, heart, lung, intestine, face, hand, cornea, trachea, skin, and tissue. And when we talk about tissue, we're really talking about bone marrow, um, bone marrow transplantation. In 2019, about 40,000 transplants were performed in this country, uh, with the kidney being the most common organ. So with that, let me introduce you to our guest today. Let me pull that up here. All righty. We are talking to Mrs. Chiquita Franklin Smith. Ms. Smith is a speech-language pathologist for the past 20 years with experience providing quality speech and language therapy to her local community. Ms. Smith is the owner of Professional Therapy Providers Incorporated. She is a native of Memphis, Tennessee. Shout out Memphis, how y'all doing? And attended the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. While working towards her degree at UT, Chiquita began to volunteer 
with a child care facility. That is where her spark was ignited to work with children that needed special attention. In May of 1996, she graduated with a Bachelor's of Science in Biology. After graduating from the University of Tennessee Chattanooga, she was accepted into the Tennessee State University Communication Disorders Master of Science program, where she averaged a overall GPA of 3.8. My friends are smart. They are beautiful. Let me tell y'all, I am a blessed person. At any rate, she, after graduation, she moved to Atlanta, where she completed her clinical fellowship in Clayton County Public Schools. She worked in Clayton County Public Schools for several years as a speech language pathologist. While working there, she was afforded a wonderful opportunity to work closely with another seasoned speech language pathologist. This opportunity allowed her to establish a love for working with school-aged children and fine-tune her ability to provide quality speech and language therapy to children with a variety of disorders. Chiquita became a member of the ASHA, the American Speech and Hearing Association, and also obtained her Georgia license in speech pathology in 2000. In 2002, Professional Therapy Providers was founded and began to provide quality speech and language therapy to the Atlanta metropolitan community. In August 2004, Chiquita obtained employment with the Atlanta Public Schools system and is a preschool diagnostician and speech language pathologist. During her spare time, she continued to provide private speech therapy and free speech and language screenings to families in need. After working for Atlanta Public Schools for eight years, she resigned in May 2012 to continue her commitment to providing speech and language therapy to the local community. Professional Therapy Providers currently provides speech and language in a variety of settings, including our on-site facility. She currently has a team of speech language pathologists working with her, treating patients with innovative therapy techniques. Chiquita is an ongoing mentor for graduate students and professional therapy providers, serves as a clinical site for graduate students in communication disorders for Georgia State University and the University of West Georgia. Chiquita is an ambitious minority entrepreneur that continues to provide therapy to meet the needs of all children. Ladies and gentlemen of the Medical Minutes family, please welcome my dear friend, Miss Chiquita Franklin Smith to the show. Hey, lady. Hey, how are you? Good. So, I will also say, as this year of first, Miss Chiquita Smith is our first in studio guest. So, that's tremendously exciting because I am not alone in the booth here today. So, that is always, uh, that was always the goal, of course, to do that and to be, to be um, you know, with a guest here. So, getting started here. So, Miss Smith, tell me how how did you like how did this all get started for you? Like how did you know that something was wrong? Well, to be honest, I really didn't know. Um, kidney disease um, symptoms are kind of elusive. So mm -hmm. the things that I felt, I did not directly connect with kidney disease. Okay. Uh, one thing, one symptom that I now know is a, a direct sign is that I would vomit every now and then. Not every day. 
Um, but I would equate it to, oh, I shouldn't have eaten it or mm-hmm. I ate too late last night. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be sick. I would just throw up. And the next thing I know, I'm feeling fine and I'll move on with my day. And it wasn't every day. It was maybe like once every three weeks. Interesting. Um, and I had lost a significant amount of weight. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, I thought I was looking cute. So I did not <laughs> understand. <laughs> that was a concern. <laughs> Right? Right. Because who's going to complain about weight loss? Especially for those of us that are a little extra fluffy. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Right. I'm cutting back. I'm doing good. I'm looking good now. (laughs) So I never equated that to to kidney disease. And I was extremely fatigued. But Mm. I was working hard. Right. And I have three children Mm -hmm. and a spouse. So I just equated those things to hard work, children, Pets, life, life in general. Yeah. Um, so I never equated that to um, kidney disease at mm-hmm. all. Uh, I regularly go to the doctor, and uh, I guess it was at the beginning when COVID was about to start in March. Mm-hmm. I had gone home for a funeral, and when I got to this funeral, everyone was like, "Gosh, you've lost so much weight," which was kind of concerning because I knew that I had lost a few pounds, but I guess people who hadn't seen, seen me you. in a while mm-hmm. when I was in Memphis. They kind of made a big deal about it to mm-hmm. me. So I said, well, maybe I should go to the doctor, and I did. And when I went there, she, she um, I told her that I was fatigued, and I, I uh, diagnosed myself. Hmm. Without any medical, and, and and what did you say was wrong with you? I'm all. This is always fascinating, y'all. When when folks tell the doctor what's wrong. Yeah, I diagnosed myself. I was just going to get a confirmation, to mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that I was a little um, anemic. Okay. I just not thought, unreasonable. Mm-hmm. I okay. said, well, she's just going to prescribe me a little iron pill, and sure. I'll be on my way. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went to the doctor, and I told her what was wrong with me. Right. Mm-hmm. That's because, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did. And so she <laughs> kind of smiled, and she said, okay, well, I'm going to do a little blood work, but hopefully you're sure. right. So she did, and the next morning I could, she called me, and I could hear in her voice panic mm-hmm. and extreme concern for me. Okay. And she said that my creatine was a 3.1. I was like, what is that? Never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I know creatine is the waste product of your muscle cells. Correct me, doctor. You're right. No, I'm, I'm listening. Go <laughs> and on. so your kidneys, um, that organ in your body is supposed to purify or keep it clean. Right. So if my kidneys weren't functioning properly, which means I would have a higher number of creatinine in my blood. Yes. So at that time, it was a 3.1. We would want it to be a 0.84 or at the most 1.2. Mm-hmm. Correct. And I was way above that number. A little bit. Yes. yes. And so um, she said that I need to see a nephrologist immediately. This time, COVID was in full swing, Mm -hmm. but uh, the kind doctor that I had um, had a friend that was a nephrologist, and she called in a favor, and so I went in the very next day, and that's when I even got even more concerned, because when I got off the phone with her that morning, the nephrologist called me, Mm. and she said, I received your records, and she asked me a few questions over the phone, Mm -hmm. and she said, I need to come in immediately. So I was like, oh. Mm Mm-hmm. And she said, and we're going to squeeze you in tomorrow morning. So I knew then it was something to be concerned about. So let me let me tell y'all, um, whenever the doctor calls you, it, it is de- that is definitely a call you, you want to take. Um, definitely a call you don't want to screen um, because it is not something that we normally do. You know, because, of course, if everything is fine, 
you'll get a letter or maybe you'll get the little, um, like some people have an automated message that, you know, they'll just send like, hey, you know, your lab work is fine. We'll see you in six months or see you in a year. Um, but when, um, and of course, I've heard this story before. And so when, when Ms. Smith was telling me all of this, um, I was like, yeah, when they tell you right now, right now means right now. Like, mm-hmm. come on in. Like, whatever it is you got to do tomorrow, no, you don't have to do any of that. Come on into the office. So, yeah, that, that definitely... Um, definitely would be alarming very alarming so you go to the nephrologist the kidney specialist yes and she did uh, redid the blood work okay as well as that same day she said she needed to do an ultrasound on the kidney to make sure I didn't have a growth Mm -hmm. and she asked me a lot of questions like you know did I have a history of kidney disease my family history Mm -hmm. um what medications I had been taking, my past medical history. Mm-hmm. And she was very, very thorough. So now, did you have any family history of, of any kidney disease so that I, you knew of at that time? I told her no. Okay. But I later found out that I did. I had a cousin who was on dialysis. Okay. Um, And I think I had another, dis- but the cousin was a first cousin. Okay. And I had another distant relative. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, I did not equate that with kidney disease. I don't know why. Okay. But I just told her, Mm-mm, no, I don't have a family history. And, you know, and a lot of times when we're talking about family history, we're talking about your direct line. So, like, your grandparents, your parents, your siblings. Like, we don't, and not me in the medical community, but just, you know, in talking with people, they don't think about those other relations of aunts and cousins. You know, those things don't really come to mind. So that's not unusual that, you know, you would have said no to that question because your parents and, and, and so forth don't have any kidney disease as far as you know. And then also, too, you know, a lot of the times, and and we've talked about this before, we don't share our our family history. You know, we tend to um, take the stance about what stuff is our business and not our business. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so we don't share. So a lot of people out here have families that have stuff going on, and you don't even know because you don't talk about it. So, you know, so true. this is something that is important to know, you know, not from the standpoint of being nosy and wanting to gossip or, you know, wanting to talk about how somebody got whatever disease they got. But just so that you and your own self can know so that when things are happening to you, maybe there's a connection there. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Very much so. So she, did, I knew it was even more serious. She said you had to have the ultrasound today. Mm-hmm. And she called down to, I was at Northside Hospital, and they have an imaging department there. Mm-hmm. And they said, we couldn't fit, we can't fit her in today. And my doctor called down there. She said, oh, you will fit her in today. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I will be seen today. She said, do you have anything else to do today? She said, whatever it is that you have to do, you need to call and yeah, cancel. You don't cancel. You don't have anything else to do today? I said, no, I don't. So mm-hmm. I had the ultrasound. And so the results came back. The blood work, the creatinine was still the same. Okay. But I didn't have a growth anything else and all the other blood work she did came back normal hmm. okay so I was a little like hmm, this is nothing you know I just kind of to be honest came a little dismissive and kind of moved on with my day because you felt okay I felt fine see that's the I thing. felt fine I did not feel sick mm-hmm. um but she did tell me that the only way to get a definitive diagnosis is with a biopsy mm-hmm. and at that time due to COVID they were not doing um, elective procedures that right. was considered elective. Everything got shut down. Yeah. Yes. So a lot of a lot of healthcare got put on hold with this thing. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So I didn't have the biopsy immediately, mm-hmm. um, but she called me um, maybe about the first week in May, mm-hmm. and she said, "Oh, the governor has lifted the, uh, the, the lifted that ban, right. so you can come on in for come your on biopsy." In and get it done. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, she's really following up with me," <laughs> uh, because. <laughs> I just thought I was going to skate on through, mm-hmm. but she didn't allow me to skate through. Mm-mm. No, ma'am. So she said that she had scheduled for May the 13th, and I had the biopsy. And on May 21st, my world changed. The results mm. came back. It was a Thursday. And the results came back that I was in stage 5 kidney disease, which is the final wow. stage. Yeah. There are five stages to kidney disease. When I was diagnosed, I had 14% functioning. Wow. And so I was blown away. I can imagine. Very much so. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, you know, again, just to highlight how um, how important it is, you know, and we've talked about this this past year, and I'm going to keep preaching it, how important it is to have your regular checkups and, you know, get that blood work done, you know, and maybe I'll do that as a show of what you should do like every year, depending upon how old you are. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that next week. How about that? Um, how important it is to see your doctor on a regular basis, to have a relationship mm-hmm. with a doctor, because, you know, if you had just been some person that just showed up just this one time and didn't have a relationship with your doctor, maybe things would not have the gears would not have moved as quickly for you because of course when you're trying to get to know someone as a provider it takes some time to do that right but you already had an established relationship your doctor already knew that this kidney function was not how you had been over previous labs very much so so. this was something that was alarming and that she should definitely pay attention to Um, and so you know also you know so we talked about knowing your family history very very important um, getting your regular checkups and lab work, very important because, as Miss Smith is saying, she has felt fine. She had some little, small, maybe minor, could have been dismissed symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. Because particularly as women, we get tired and we say what? I'm tired because I'm not exercising. I'm tired because maybe I weigh a little bit more than I should. I'm tired because of the kids and the job and my husband and my friends and my social activities and all of that. And maybe I need to cut that back. We give ourselves all kinds of reasons why we should be tired. And yeah, we are doing all of those things. So yeah, we should be tired from all of those things. But it may very well be that there's something wrong. So what I really want to come out of this, one of the things that I want to come out of this is learning to listen to your body and following up on that instead of just saying, oh, it's just this. Because I, I have a story. So now I'm, I'm a physician, have been for a long time, and I was even in that situation. Oh, I just feel, you know, I, I was skiing and, you know, felt short of breath, but I'm on top of a mountain, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that happens, Right. Get home, go to my doctor, severely anemic, had to be put in the hospital and had to have a blood transfusion. But I'm sitting here dismissing it because, you know, it's the altitude. That's what it was because I'm a healthy person. But no, I wasn't. So, you know, it, it happens and it happens to people, you know, even people who are in medicine. So, you know, I know it's happening to your your non-medical medical people. But getting back to you. So. I want to say one thing. Dr. Yes, ma'am. Parisa. When I had gone to the doctor, 
um, I had gone eight months previously. Mm-hmm. So when that creatinine number 3.1 was even more alarming because eight months prior, it was completely normal. Look at that. Completely so that's normal. why she was even more alarmed mm-hmm. because I had gone to the doctor eight months before. And was fine. And it was fine. Yep. And another thing we do, too, I think our loved ones try to look out for us. Like my husband, he wanted, he noticed that I was throwing up, and he shared it with my mother. Mm-hmm. Chiquita was throwing up today. And I remember thinking, he always telling always my Always telling. <laughs> See? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But in the hindsight, it was definitely a sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you know, you just don't know because, right. you know, again, there are so many reasons for so many things to happen. It could have been something that you ate. Mm-hmm. You know, that happens, too. Happens right. very, very commonly. Um, you know, because, of course, you know, if if you start vomiting, the first thing that you think of is not going to be, you know, I've got this life-altering disease happening. Right. That's not your first thought. It's not. It's just not going to be. Not for anybody. Right. Um, you know, and so, you know, so I, I completely, completely get that. So they tell you that you have what disease with your kidneys? Chronic kidney disease, mm-hmm. stage five, with mm-hmm. a GFR, which is your kidney function of 14. And so when she gave me that information, I wrote it down because I didn't understand what any of it meant. Okay. So I started to do a little research in between crying, to right. be honest. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I cried that day, that next day. It was Memorial Day weekend, and I cried the whole weekend. I couldn't get it together. Right. I don't care how people tried to comfort me or tell me it's going to be okay. It was such a shock because I did not have a, um, you know, sometimes people with kidney disease, it's long ongoing. Right. Right. So right. by the time they get to stage five, they've known in stage two, for you, right. three, four. Right. Right. By the time I'm diagnosed, I'm at the final you, stage. You're already there. I'm there. Right. Um, but on the Monday, which is Memorial Day, I decided to stop crying. Okay. And I said, Chiquita, you got to pull it together now, and you need to figure out how to get a kidney. When I was diagnosed, I said, well, can you just put me on some medication? I take the pill every day. And she mm-hmm. said, no, ma'am. Mm-hmm. The only options you have are dialysis or a transplant. And I said, well, mm-hmm. I'm going to go the transplant route. And so that Monday after I cried the whole weekend, I decided to look up, um, look on the kidney transplant a website mm-hmm. and figure out what places in my area provided kidney transplants. Okay. And so I did. And in the Atlanta area, we have two, and it's Piedmont Hospital and Emory. Mm-hmm. So I called Piedmont that Tuesday morning, and a young lady answered the phone. I told her that I needed to be seen. And she said, it will be six months before you can even get an appointment to be seen to see if you're eligible to be put on the transplant list. And that's where we start talking about this process of time. And so, you know, you have been told that you have end organ disease, right? Mm-hmm. And so time is running out right, for your organ. But now here you are on the phone with somebody telling you, you're going to have to wait six months to even see if you're a candidate. You're a candidate. So you don't even have like, yeah, we'll, we'll see you in six months and then we'll get some things no. rolling. That was the if and that was maybe six months, right? Because that because the because it had been closed for so long due to COVID, right? They had backlog. Pro- right, they were backlog, mm-hmm. and they had to get those other patients in. They had canceled. So I told the young lady on the phone. I said, "Look, I live ten minutes from your facility, and I'm going to be your new best friend because I'm gonna call you every day, not to be a nuisance, but somebody's going to cancel, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be able to get in to see you." And she kind of chuckled, but it was true. 
The very next day I called her. She said, someone just canceled in the morning. Can you be here on June 1st? I said, I'm there. Look at that. I had to be there at 5.30 in the morning. You have to bring a caretaker with you. Mm -hmm. And so my husband and I went, and I'm very nervous. And yeah, understandably so. Yes. Yeah. Very nervous. Um, so I, I went, and I um, brought any paperwork that I thought would be relevant. I don't even know what that was. I just went. Just bringing it. Just, <laughs> just bring, bring it all. It, bring it all. Right. right. I went to my um, a previous doctors. You know, most doctors now have these portals where you can download mm -hmm. medical information. So I download my mammogram, my most recent pap smear, um, just anything that I thought would be a benefit. Sure. And um, I went. And it was, you know, very, very informative. But one thing I found out that day, that it, the determination of how quickly you get your kidneys based on your blood type. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, with my blood type, I was looking to seven to nine years to years. get a kidney. So now let me ask you. So looking at this, so, you know, you get in and with your blood type, you're looking at seven to nine years. What did they tell you would be done in in between time, in the meantime, and in between time? What what, what was your option while you were waiting this seven to, to nine years to get started on dialysis? So dialysis was going to be your yes. your thing. So they set me up with a dialysis nurse, and they started trying to uh, do some preemptive training mm -hmm. on how to do dialysis at home, or you can go to a clinic. Right. And to be very honest, I was not receptive. Interesting. Um, I listened, but I really wasn't receptive because okay. in my mind, I had asked God for a kidney. So I was going to get a kidney. Okay. I listened and I did what they asked me to do, but I didn't jot any notes. I didn't try to keep up with anything they said because I was getting a kidney. Okay. So I. Okay. <laughs> and so when I went to Piedmont Hospital, they asked me a lot of questions that I wasn't prepared for either. Like, how much money do you make a year? Mm -hmm. Your level of education. Mm -hmm. Your ability to have a caretaker that can be with you for six weeks, uninterrupted, and un an unpaid caretaker. Right. Um, if you have children, do you have a separate caretaker for those children? Mm -hmm. um, if, do you have a car? Do you have a reliable transportation? Not just a car, because they don't want you taking public transportation right. to get here for these appointments. And it's a, a number of appointments. Mm -hmm. And another thing I found out is that um, it's some reasons that you cannot be placed on the list. Such as? Such as if you have chemical dependency. Mm -hmm. If you have a history of being non-compliant with medical care. Mm. Um, you will not be placed on the list. If they feel like that you cannot financially afford to take these anti-rejection drugs for the rest of your life, which is very costly, mm -hmm. um, that's a reason that you, or you, if you don't have the caretaking or caretaker or the support, because right. you're going to need all of those things to get through this, then mm. you might not be eligible or they might not place you on the list. Wow. And you have to do it after you leave that appointment, then you have to do a number test like um, tests on your heart, tests on your lungs, ultrasounds. They want to make sure that all other aspects of your that body you can are even okay. get through the surgery because yes. it is it is quite a quite a surgery. And we'll, we'll get to that in mm -hmm. a few minutes. So, you know, they're going they're telling you all of these things. And, you know, and you you and I had conversation yes. with that. Um, and so, you know, and a lot of the things that they are asking um, because they want to make sure because organs are very scarce. Right. And so they want to make sure that if you get one, can you take care of it? 
because unfortunately, everybody that needs a kidney, unfortunately, won't get one for, for a lot of different reasons. Um, and so, you know, if I'm going to give you this kidney, if we're going to get you this kidney, we have to make sure that you have everything in place, the emotional piece, the medical piece, the financial piece, um, because if you can't continue to take these medications, then, you know, there's no no there's no justification to giving you this organ that I know six months from now you're going to run out of money and not be able to afford these drugs. And then what happens is the kidney rejects. It rejects. And so then that is is a, a kidney that could have gone to someone else. Right. And it sounds really harsh, you know, when you're talking about these things. But from a practical standpoint, all of these things have to be in place. And when you mention the noncompliance piece, because this is medication that you have to take every day forever. On time. On time. So, you know, if you're someone who takes your medication occasionally, then, you know, this is not going to be the regimen for you. And, you know... And I know that it, it's hard to hear those things, um, but luckily that none of that applied to you. No. So, you get on the list. I get on the list at Piedmont. I did all of the things they asked me to do. Mm-hmm. Go here, go there, get this done. I had like a short story. I had an appointment to get a new pap smear. My doctor broke her foot the morning of my appointment. Oh, my appointment. goodness gracious. So, you know, I have other family. I said, listen, can you call? I had a, my cousin who's friends with the OB, and she called her her girlfriend. was like, can you get my cousin in like tomorrow? Because I got to get on the list. You have to have all these things in Everything to get done. on the list. Okay. And so um, this particular OB was able to get me, and she understood my plight, and she got me in, a, you know, within a day or two mm-hmm. um, to see me. So I did all those things, and I was placed on the list. And then I realized, well, Maybe I should get on multiple lists. That would probably increase my chances of actually getting a kidney. So when I got on the list at Piedmont, I left Piedmont, and um, I have cousins and family members that all were trying to rally behind me Mm -hmm. to figure out how to get this kidney. And my cousin Jackie in um, Tampa, she said, I have a girlfriend who is um, on the kidney transplant kind of team at Duke University. And I'm going to call her for you. She called her for me, and she said that we had a cancellation. Can you come down June 26th to Duke? I will be there. Right. My husband took off work. We drove there. I took all of my paperwork. And that's the key thing is that when you're trying to get a transplant or any type of a medical care, you want your own medical records with you because you do mm-hmm. not want them to have to call back, let's say, to wherever your doctor's office is to get mm-hmm. your medical record, which could take another week or two. Right. So I didn't play that game. I kept my own medical records Good and idea. various copies of them. So when I gave it to this doctor, they don't have to give me a copy back. Right. This is for you. Right. And I had Put all that in the file. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when I went to Duke, I had my all of my medical records, all the things that they had previously done at Piedmont, which is less than a month ago. Duke was more than happy to accept those most recent test results. And had so to, you didn't have to do all of that. I did not have to do over all over again because right. I had the results with me. Right. And I think I had to do one or two things that that program required, but mm-hmm. I was able to do it right then on the spot. Nice. Uh, when I made the appointment with Duke, I even emailed all the medical records to them before I got there mm-hmm. so that they would be ready in case I needed to do anything additional. If I needed to do anything prior to getting there, I was willing to do that. Right. And um, I went and had a wonderful visit. They provided me with the same information. But one thing that Duke told me that I did not know is that dialysis decreases your lifespan. Yes. 
And at my age, at the time, I think it was, I'm, at the time I was 45, but the age 45 to 50, your average lifespan is five to eight years after you start dialysis. So that was a real eye-opener for me. So here they are telling you that you have seven to nine years to wait to get this kidney. Yes. But then if we put you on dialysis, you might get to eight. Maybe. Maybe. And I have three small children who need me. Right. They need a mother. But I mean, just looking at the time, it's like the dialysis was not even going to give you enough time to, ex- to for the for the waiting list to expire on getting the organ. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So that information was shocking to myself. And I, I know it was shocking to my husband because we were sitting there together looking at each other like, wow, did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So when I left Duke, I was added to their list. Then I said, I started doing my own research, and I realized, oh, it's a Mayo Clinic Mm -hmm. that's not far from Atlanta, which is about six hours in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. And I went online and filled out their interest form, and they called me within the next day or two. Another thing I did was I kept all my records, who I spoke to every place I went. Their name, kept it together. Anyway, I I went to uh, the Mayo Clinic on July the 9th, which was my birthday. And prior to getting there, I did some virtual appointments. Mm-hmm. And then when I got there, they did more testing there. But I, again, I took all my medical records. I emailed it to them before I got there, had it in hand. So I had to do one or two more things. And um, they said, again, you're an excellent candidate. So I was on their list. And then I left there. And in the meantime, I got on Emory's list, which is locally here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Memphis on August the 13th. At to Methodist Hospital, and I was placed on their list. So with all within about three months, I was on five lists. Wow. Um, which is really unheard of because um, it was my, if I ask God for something. Mm, come on. I have to put my effort in, you too. Got to, you got to do your part. I got to do my part. So I'm asking part. for this kidney. I can't say, oh, God, send me a kidney, and I'm at home looking at TV every day. Mm. So if I'm asking for this kidney, I had to position myself in a way that I can receive it. Come on. And I'm able. Come on. <laughs> to Come get on. it. So that's the reason I put myself in all of these places mm-hmm. to get this kidney. Because I knew that he was going to give me what I asked for. But right. I had to be positioned to receive it. But now you had to be, you know, when we're talking about these these kidneys, you have to be within a certain proximity. Yes. Because when they call you, you got to be able to get there relatively quickly. You have to be able to get there, and if you have children, you need to have in line who's going to keep your children. Mm-hmm. If you have pets or whatever it is that you have, you need to have that care, that situation resolved. So being in Atlanta and going for something out in California wouldn't necessarily be the best plan unless you were trying to relocate yes. to California. So just so that, you know, so that folk understand, you got to work within your local, within, what, six hours? Six to seven hours. And you have to radius. be willing to go. You have to go back and forth for various doctor visits. Mm-hmm. So if you get a kidney in Jacksonville, you're going to have to go back to Jacksonville right. for follow-up care. Right. Or for in my case, after I had my transplant in Jacksonville, I had to stay there for about a month mm-hmm. thereafter. Mm-hmm. So I have three children. So my parents kept my children in Atlanta while my husband and I went to Jacksonville for the transplant. So we have already revealed that you got your transplant. So now I'm going to ask you and see this is how God works. So like like my dear friend was saying, when you ask for God, God for something and you get yourself ready to receive what he has for you. How long were you on the list before you got your organ, ma'am? Three months. Look at that. (laughs) Come on. 
Three months. So from seven to nine years waiting to getting it in three months. With no dialysis. With no dialysis. No dialysis. Look at it. Yes. So they love call, it. They called I me. I love this. I've heard this story before, <laughs> y'all. But I love this story because I'm telling y'all, it is. It, it's amazing. It's amazing. They called me at, on October 24th at three. 58 in the morning because I knew Ooh. that I was asking God for a kid and I slept with my phone under my pillow mm-hmm. and the day before two days a couple of days before I had went and started packing my stuff for a kidney I had gone and bought me some cute gowns and oh, <laughs> packed my toothbrush <laughs> and I know that sounds really crazy but I really got asked to be God for a kidney you have and to I be felt ready. like he was going to deliver on his word so I need to be prepared. I had gone to the bank and got a few extra dollars. I had spoken to my parents, made sure that they could come down and keep my children. Just whatever I needed to do. Mm-hmm. I had gotten myself aligned. I had even filled my car up the night before. Because um, wow. I was going to get this kidney. And when I asked God for a kidney, I just say, oh, God, give me a kidney. I said, I need one by Christmas. Mm. And people oh, say, well, why? putting God on a deadline. Yeah, My put goodness. him on a deadline. Okay. He'll deliver. Okay. Um, because if you're asking for a kidney, he might give you one in seven years. And I need one mm. right now. Right. And I didn't want to go into 2021 worried about this situation. I wanted it to be behind me. Excellent. So I got the I got the So call. being specific. <laughs> yes. And when you ask God for stuff and and okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with it. I'm with all of that. Yes. So I got the call. I jumped up running. I couldn't believe it. To be honest, I was kind of tripping. Like, are they was it is this, real? Is, this, is this a prank phone call? Let's <laughs> <laughs> see, wait a minute now. <laughs> but I jumped up and got dressed and um threw, you know, threw the rest of my things in the car. And they told me to be in Jacksonville before noon. Mm. So I, from 4 a.m. in the morning. I was there. Of course. I was there. I called my cousin. Girl, come get these children. Called my parents. She'd get in the car and get on the road from Memphis to Atlanta. Everybody knew their role. They fell in line beautifully. And we went down to Jacksonville. And I received the kidney the following morning at 730 in the morning. Um, I was supposed to receive it that night, but mm-hmm. I got it the next morning. Okay. And so how has life been since your kidney transplant? Well, at the hospital, after I received the kidney, I did have a few stumbling blocks. Okay. Um, I had a, some rejection with the kidney. Normally, mm. after you have a transplant, you're in the hospital for three to five days. Mm-hmm. I was there for 17 days. Mm. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I, my heart stopped beating twice. Like, I was really, really sick my getting goodness. this kidney. Um, but I think God did it that way so my testimony would be even bigger. Come on. And that I could share the good news of how well he can turn any situation around. Look at it. <laughs> so Look, we need some we need some <laughs> some music, some gospel music up in here today. My goodness. We up in here sharing. Okay. Come on. Look, I feel like I need a tambourine or something. <laughs> my God. Okay. So I was released from the hospital after seventeen days. Mm-hmm. And um and I, my husband had found us a place to stay in Jacksonville. And so we stayed there for, I don't know, maybe about three weeks or so. Okay. Until I was released to come home. And, um, and So the, were you going back and forth to the hospital during this day, three weeks? Okay. Every morning I had to go and give blood. Okay. To make sure the kidneys functioned the way that they wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Because I had such a strong rejection, I had to do another biopsy before they let me leave. Wow. The Jacksonville area. Um 
So it was very rigorous. Mm-hmm. The, the taking the medication was rigorous, make sure I wasn't gaining a lot of weight because they didn't want me um, to have a lot of swelling and sure. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I did everything they asked for me to do, and I came home the night before Thanksgiving. Look at that. Early. Early. Because, see, we said we said that she put a dead God on the deadline for Christmas, <laughs> y'all. But before Thanksgiving, he didn't came on through. Look yeah, at that. He showed up and showed, showed out. Showed all the way out. <laughs> And so life has been good since the transplant. Okay. Um, every week, initially, I had to give blood. Okay. Just to keep, you know, to main, to make sure it was functioning properly. And they would call me from the mail and say, well, you need to take a little bit more of this, less of this. Okay. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then um, as time went on, I think I had to go back to Jacksonville like three months after the surgery. Right. And they did more tests to make sure that it, the kidney was functioning properly. Mm-hmm. And um, now I think I am seven months post-op. Wow. And I'm feeling good. Now, to be very honest, I still am a little bit more fatigued than usual. Okay. Um, but outside of that, I, you know, pace myself in doing a lot of rigorous activity. Sure. But outside of that, I really do feel well. Amen. And I feel really blessed to have had a family, my spouse, my children to be very supportive. My parents have been, I mm-hmm. mean, everyone. And even when I was going to have my um, transplant, all of my friends would bring food by my house for mm-hmm. my children and kind words and phone calls. So I really appreciate everything, everybody for doing everything that they've done for me. Well, this is a wonderful, wonderful testimony. I'm not even going to call it a story. A testimony of um, faith, mm-hmm. definitely, um, of advocating for yourself. Like you, you, you are like my whole, all of my shows from last year, the, the, this is you, right? Of knowing your history, keeping up with your records, seeing your doctor, advocating for yourself, doing your own research, and making it happen. And here we are, seven months later, a year later from when we were asking for this kidney to have gotten it. This is, when I tell y'all this is exceptional, I, I for real mean it. This is an exceptional case for an exceptional person. Thank you. Um, and I am just busting that when she called us and told us that she was going, I was like, yes, because we all had been when we talk about prayer warriors, let me tell y'all, she got some. She, I really she got them. She got them. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you, get you some. Okay. If, if you don't, you definitely need to do that. Miss Chiquita Franklin Smith, thank you so much. Thank this you has for been like one me. of the best shows. And so we're going to have to have you back when we talk about speech therapy and, and that kind of thing because, you know, we want to educate people about that kind of stuff. I wanted to well. say one more thing. Come on. One more thing before Come on. we go. Come on. To let you all know that even when I that was diagnosed with kidney disease, I had to go to counseling. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times it's. People in our community, we don't think we need counseling, but I right. really needed it because it was a tough diagnosis for me to take on. Definitely. So I went to counseling the whole time to even understand that they were talking to me. Right. For a long time, they're not talking to me. I don't know who they're <laughs> talking to. <laughs> so I just want My people to know goodness. it is okay if you need to go and get counseling to, to yes. resolve or just to understand that this situation is occurring to you, but you can turn it around. Indeed. And, and with that, I'm not even going to give my vitamin C today because I don't even need to say anything else. She has, she has wrapped it up beautifully. 
thank you so much again, thank my dear you. friend. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for sharing our anniversary show with the fabulous Miss Chiquita Franklin-Smith. And I hope that this has encouraged you in whatever you are going through uh, from a health standpoint or even from a life standpoint about how you can not be a complete victim of your situation and you can emerge victorious. And so now that we are back after we had our two weeks off, until I see you again, hopefully next week, Thursday at 11 a.m., be good to yourself, be good to each other. Take care. This is Dr. Carissa. Thanks for joining me this week on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Join me next week for more comfortable yet in-depth conversation. Have a great week. Thank you.